worship team. Uh, that was amazing worship. Uh, I love this. This is an old song. I don't know from what year. Uh, Agnes Day, right, Viviana? It's a really beautiful song to sing to God. Holy, holy, holy. You are the Lord Almighty. Good evening. Um, is everyone good? I know it's a little bit rainy and outcast. And I, who's here for the first time? First timers. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Welcome. Welcome to the church. It's so good to be you, good to be with you this evening and bring the word of God. Um, my name is Dina. I am one of the pastors here at Riverside Lisbon. And it has been an interesting September so far. I, I came out, out of my vacation in August. Things were a little bit slow, but in September things picked up pretty fast. Um, I, uh, I was doing an online seminary. It started right away this month. And our new life, se uh, life group started this season. And um, university started in Portugal. Schools have started in Portugal. Which means uh, in our community, we receive a lot of young students. We have a lot of people coming in new. Uh, as you see, in the morning, we had like 30 people new. Now we have like 20, 10, 12 people new. So very welcome to our community. It's very exciting to meet you all and serve uh, in this season of your life. So in our Wednesday live group this week, uh, we had our introductory session. It's the first time we are meeting after two months. So we were going around and introducing everyone and we asked, tell something interesting about you. And there is one student and he was very young and he went like, I love fast paced sports. Uh, I, I love playing basketball. And I got very excited because uh, I, as you some know, I play basketball. So I say, Oh, I played too. But the truth is, I used to play a few years ago uh, when I was in my 20s. Um, but I try every now and then. I get motivated to go to play. So I go there and I play. I shoot some shots. And I get embarrassed by from some kids uh, out there. And I get upset. I try harder for the next few days. Uh, and then I give up because I, my body doesn't work like that anymore. I, I, I can't recover faster. I can't go keep running at a pace. So at this point of my life, I think I became more cynical about my basketball career. I know uh, I'm not going to make it to NBA anytime soon. So I accepted the fact that it is what it is. I'm, I'm good with my health, and I'm, basketball is not for me, maybe. But recently, I, I noticed a similar pattern in my spiritual walk with God, in my spiritual patterns, in my growth of my spiritual character which we talked about, which is to be more like Jesus. In that walk with God, there are a few areas I start to notice that I'm getting a little frustrated and I'm thinking more, well, I can't change this area. It's too hard to change. And I've noticed the same thing with some people I'm discipling in the last few months. And in, in the beginning, they're all so excited, like, Dina, I want to I wanna improve my prayer life. I want to get this going. I want to change this. I get angry quick. I want to change this. And after a few weeks, uh, they, it, it's all there, but their motivation is completely down. They go like, yeah, I know it's hard. We'll see. And I see the same pattern of, it is what it is. If we change, we change. Oh, Michael. <laughs> you okay there? <laughs> Silas, can you uh, uh, lessen the brightness? I, I think it didn't. Yeah, it's too. Thank you, man. So I, I started studying the scriptures of uh, trying to see what can we do about our spiritual growth? How can, I, how can I consistently grow? How can I be with God consistently where I don't get frustrated and thinking, 
I don't think I can ever improve in this area. So I, I went to this passage in John 15, which is our sermon topic is John 15, abiding in Christ. So this is an amazing passage, and we're going to unpack verse by verse. But before we do that, I want to talk about verse 16 in the same discourse in John 15 that says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. So when we ask the question, is true change possible? Is truly can we change? Is there, can I fix this area of my life truly? And Jesus is here saying he chose us and he appointed us to bear fruit. And we talked about spiritual fruits for the last nine weeks in the morning service. We talked about what is bearing fruits of joy, patience, and, 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 and love in Galatians 5. It all means to be more like Christ. So here Jesus is saying is, you can bear fruit because I chose you and appointed you for that. You can truly change from your natural or fleshly inclination of selfishness, anger, pride, immorality, impurity, the whole list, and move towards love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, self-control, to be more like Jesus. And in Romans 8, Paul writes, he, he actually reflects the same idea that he talks here. Is He says, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. God foreknew us and he predestined us to be conformed to the image of Christ. What does it mean? It means God who created the universe, who holds the stars in place, who sustains all of creation. He's concerned about you. And he predestined you and he chose you to experience true change from your own fleshly self to the character of Jesus. And this is something he predestined you for. So what it means is God is fully engaged in this process. He's not just there telling you to be better. He's fully engaged in this process with all his power, with all his might towards this goal to bring his own beauty to bring his own greatness into your life. How many of you can believe that? See, many of us don't believe that. Yes, yes, God, when I become a Christian, God, of course, he helps me fix the major stuff. Uh, I don't cheat. I don't lie. I, you know, the, the big problems God will fix. But some things in my life are way too strong. It's way too deep. It's, 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 it's too personal. It's so dark. No one knows about it. And it's lingering for way too long. And, and you think it's not going to change. You don't really believe that. You believe you lost hope to change that. Can an anxious person who was anxious all her life, can, he, can she become courageous? Can a cowardly person become stronger? Can an envious person become content with what he or she has? Can a person ever break off their addictions one day? The answer is yes. Absolutely yes. Because God is committed to dealing with all your flaws, with all your weaknesses, with all your brokenness. And he wants to bring his pulsating life. He wants to bring his character into your life 
to make you truly happy and satisfied. And guess what? You're not battling this battle alone. He's not telling you, fix your willpower, try to do it by yourself. No, he's f you're fighting this battle alongside of the maker of heavens and earth. And he's not giving up on you. He's not saying, that's the best I could do. It is what it is. It's too late for me to fix what's happening there. And this is where we have to start discussing the topic is, it is truly possible for you to completely change and transform you into the image of Christ. And I want every one of you to believe that. And if you're thinking like, I'm in a bad place right now in my life, I, it's, it's too bad, it's, I'm hiding from God too much. If you want to take something from today, take this. God is not done with you yet. He's still working in your life. He, he won't stop until he brings Christ in you completely in all areas of your life. And I want you to believe that. And true and deep change is not only possible, it's inevitable with God. You, you can't stop it. It's going to happen if you are abiding in Christ. And we're going to talk about it. So what does this true change look like? Uh, let me say what, is, what it not look like. I'm not talking about any self-improvement techniques. I'm not saying how you can um, improve yourself, right? People love to hear they have inner potential. They're looking for methods and strategies to make changes in life. S see, these are usually mechanical changes. They, they alter few of your habits, right? They, they tell you, okay, you get up early, you fast, you exercise, there's a breathing techniques, healthy lifestyle. They say if you have a good routine, good sleeping, if you calm your surroundings, you get the best version of yourself. True? Partly true. Let's call this mechanical compliance through external factors, right? You're trying to change what's around you, in your habits, in your thing, externally, and you're complying to it so that you can change. And some Christians use the same approach in their Christian life attending church, serving in teams, helping people out. I mean, these are all good things. But what we start to think is having this busy lifestyle of church things, albeit for God and church, we mechanically try to comply with the unset written set of rules, and we think that change will come. And we hope somehow doing all these external things will somehow change what's inside. And we soon get frustrated. We see that change is not happening with all the external efforts. Let me give you a personal example. Um, so me and my fiance, we are uh, almost together for like two years now. Uh, at, at, at one point of time, uh, and she goes, well, Dina, it's, uh, it's not gonna work anymore. You, you, you have to get rid of this selfish behavior. And I didn't know I was selfish until I got into a relationship. So I, I, I agree with that. I'm like, oh, wow, okay. I did not expect that coming. I know it's bad, but I didn't know it was this bad, you know? And then I was in a point, okay, okay, let me fix it. So I started to comply. I started to change because of fear. Because of fear of losing out. Because of fear of this person leaving my life. So this is, a, again, a good change, but it's because of an external factor. It's because of a compliance that comes out of fear. There was another time where we had argument. 
And then she goes, well, you can't keep up your word. You, you keep breaking your promise. And then, okay, I want to change. I want to comply to that. And now what I did is, I'm going to do it. I'm going to show you how great I am. I'm going to show you how good I am. I'm going to prove you wrong. See, again, a compliance, again, a change in myself, but it's out of my pride. Out of, I want to show her how great I am. I want to show her how good I am. So these are like a couple of examples, right? See, these compliance come out of fear, and this one comes out of pride. Let me give you another illustration. If you have a steel rod, right, like iron rod, you try to bend it. You can't bend it. But if you put enough force to it, you can bend it a little bit. But as soon as you leave your hands, it's going to snap back up. But if you push it as very forceful, you can actually break it. But you know how they bend these steel rods? You know what they do? Anybody? Anybody? They heat it up. They heat up. As, as they heat it up, they start to bend. They make whatever shape they want as they heat it up. What heat does is it changes the chemical composition inside, and it can be bent. See, the true change does not come from mechanical compliance. If any religion or any lifestyle or any behavior that, that came out of as written rules of compliance, you won't change because you're, we are all broken people. We, didn't, we are not righteous people in our own being. So the true change comes from inside. True change outside comes from what is inside. And that's what Jesus is going to talk about in John 15. Let's open to John 15, starting with verse 1. And I'm going to ask Pedro to read for me. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bear much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. But this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Amen. Thank you. That was a beautiful passage, isn't it? That's why I want to read the whole 11 verse so you get the full thing of what Jesus actually said. And we could talk about this passage for several weeks. Um, so if, so in this illustration, like I gave a couple of illustrations, and Jesus is giving another illustration, which is beautiful. He's saying that he is the true wine, the, the actual, the picture, Ruben made an amazing picture. That's stem, the main one in the center. He's a true wine. And the little ones, 
the illustration, he says, these are you guys. You are branches. And this illustration of Jesus being the true wine and Father being the wine dresser, he's probably picking this illustration up from Isaiah 5. Um, just quick background. In Isaiah 5, Isaiah the prophet, he's calling to the people of Israel, and he is saying that uh, the nation of Israel, as an illustration, and he's saying, you guys are like a vineyard that God has placed you, but you failed God. God expected the nation of Israel to uphold justice, righteousness, but instead there was injustice, there was corruption, there was blood. So they were supposed to be a nation like a vineyard, again, like an illustration, through which every other nation was drawn to the true and living God. But the nation of Israel failed. They failed God. And Jesus is here saying, he's saying that, yes, they fail, but I am the true wine. I am the true Israel in the sense. And through me, God is going to bless the whole world. And through his life, Everyone will have access to the internal God. And that's probably why he's picking up the same illustration of the wine tree and the wine dresser. But here Jesus calls himself as a true wine and his disciples, in extension you and me, as the branches that is connected to the wine. And he says, abide in me and I in you. Some, trans some translations call it remain in me. In other words, hold on to me, persist with me. Continue being with me. The core of this illustration is that is to highlight the, the dependency of the followers of Christ. See, the, the branch has nothing to offer by itself. The branch has no life. It is, if it has no connection to the stem, where it gets all the nutrients, all the life, right from the root back to the branch, the branch cannot produce fruits by itself. The branch is honestly useless by itself without if it's connect if it's not connected to the main stem in theological terms what we call it as union with Christ our salvation when we come into the family of God we are united with Christ did you notice the verse is not saying that if you produce enough fruits if you do the right things then God will connect you to the wine. Then you will come back to the family of God. Then you, will, uh, you are worthy of being in the vineyard. No, it didn't say that. It says the opposite. It says when you accept Christ in your life, when you come to him with all your flaws and brokenness and weaknesses, he takes you and he abides in you and he gives you that life that would change your life. It's not the other way around. Sometimes we, we look at Christianity as this moral religion where we have to fix our life and do all these things before coming to the church. No, it should be the opposite. You connect with God. You get connected to the main wine. It, out of it flows life. When you abide in Him, the change is not mechanical. It is merely outward, not outward. The change is organic. The growth is organic because he changes you internally, which will then flow outward. And, and I heard people approach Christianity in this, in this way that, to tell, tell me what I have to do. Tell me what are the things I can do, what are the things are allowed, what are the things are not allowed. Can I do this before marriage? Can I do this? Well, I, Christianity is not changing your behavioral patterns, okay? 
Let me be very clear. Christianity is not giving you a best version of yourself. It is not changing your own self. It is dying to your own self. It is completely accepting the authority of Christ in every part of your life and having him define what is right and wrong. C.S. Lewis said this in Mere Christianity much better than how I can articulate. He says this here. The Christian way is different, harder and easier. Christ says, give me all. I don't want so much of your time, so much of your money, so much of your work. I want you. I have not come to torment your natural self, but to kill it. No half measures are any good. I don't want to cut off a branch here and cut off a branch there. No, I want to have the whole tree down. Hand over the whole natural self, all the desires which you think are innocent, as well as the ones you think are wicked, the whole outfit, and I will give you a new self instead. In fact, I will give you myself. My own will shall, be, will shall become yours. That is a Christian change. You die to your old self and you live for Christ. This is not a mechanical compliance of rules. And we truly change. This true change comes when we learn to abide in Christ. When we are connected to this life-giving source, we start to change organically. Yes, some seasons change would be slow. Some season change would be faster. But sure enough, you will change. Sure enough, you will grow steadily and you will bear fruits. And abiding in Christ, in the, in the, in, we saw in the verse, it's compared to abiding the branches, abiding in the stem. They are united into one plant. And Paul calls this union, in, in Ephesians, he calls this, it's a profound mystery how church and Christ are together. His life that created the galaxies and universe, that defeated the sin and death, is actually can flow into your life. The same power, the same life that can renew your inner being. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. If we are in Christ, church, and if Christ is in us, we have this access to his divine strength. We have access to his unlimited power that can beat any addictions, change any character, heal any trauma, and lift you from your past failures and past mistakes and hold you steady in the middle of the storm. And that is what makes Paul to say, I boast all the more gladly because of my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. For whenever I am weak, then I am actually strong. Because he knows that as a branch, whenever he is weak, he gets more power from Christ. He gets, it's flowing through him. And it can only happen when you abide in Christ. And, and, and sometimes we forget as Christians, um, like my story I just told you, we forget that we have to abide in Christ. Sometimes we just, okay, I understand the basics of Christianity. I understand the doctrines. Now I know I've been to church several, several years. I know all the information about God now. 
Now let me go try by myself. Let me go fix my life by myself. Let me use my willpower to do it. The first step in abiding in Christ is to be conscious of your need for Jesus. We need Jesus every day. We need him the same way a branch needs a wine, which means that we have to live in a constant and perpetual reliance in Jesus. When we drift away from this awareness that we need Jesus, we drift away from abiding in him. How many of you can truly say this last week, you woke up thinking, I need Jesus today. I really needed him. We probably thought I really need to finish this task, get our checklist done, have breakfast, coffee. But we need Jesus more than anything. And Paul, John, while well, well, he, he, he records Jesus saying, the, the other way he's saying, abide in me, he also talks about Jesus speaks of his words abiding in his disciples. That means you have to be exposed to the words of Jesus. You have to be exposed to the scriptures. You have to examine the scriptures. You have to analyze it. You have to consider it. You have to study it. Until you understand, until you let the scripture dwell in you, until you let the word of God change you and abide in you, true change is going to be mechanical. You're going to keep pushing the rod until you heed it. It's going to be hard. And finally, Jesus, while finishing this discourse, he's saying, abide in my love. And he said, I'm not going to call you servants anymore. Don't call me master anymore. I'm going to call you friends. And he said, no better love than a friend laying his life for his friends. There's no other greater love. And little after all these discussions, Jesus went to the cross. He was arrested and went to the cross. And all his disciples, all his friends ran away. They deserted him because they are afraid. And he was nailed to the cross and he laid his life for his friends. And he's calling every one of you here today his friends. He nailed in cross for you and me. And this is the love that's going to change you and me. This is the love that's going to change your internal dynamic. It's not looking at God as a master and trying to think like you are a servant, getting your work done, and as soon as you get your work done, he give you his reward. No. You need to have a relationship of a friend. This friendship that cost Jesus his own life. When you continuously keep your eye on this love on the cross, when you abide in this love, you will be a new creation. You will be renewed every day. I love this quote that said, you are more sinful than you ever thought. And you are more loved than you can ever imagine. Let that word sink in your heart. You are more sinful than you ever think. But you are more loved than you can ever imagine in Christ. In the last words of this passage, it said in verse 11, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you, that your joy may be full. Church, Jesus didn't say all these things to make your life difficult. Get a bunch of extra things to do. He wants you to be joyful. 
He hates to see you suffer, to be away from him and to wither away. He knows that as branches, the only way you can get life is to be with him. And he's saying, I am the source. There's no life apart from me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I want you to be joyful. That's why I've spoken all this to you. I want to give you my own life so you can be full of joy. He's so committed to your joy, church. It cost him everything. He didn't want you to be, you and me, to cut off from the true wine. So he took it upon himself, the penalties of sins and disobedience. Prophet Isaiah writes that he was cut off from the land of living for the wrongdoing of his people. Jesus Christ was cut off so that you and me can be restored to the true wine. Now that Jesus paid for our sins, Paul writes, therefore there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. See, our character change does not come out of fear of punishment or does not come out of pride to prove yourself to God, to prove yourself to your parents or to prove yourself to the community. No, it, it, it comes organically through the life-giving power of Christ. I'm going to invite the worship team. So this life-giving power of Christ, Paul writes that the same power that raised Jesus from dead dwells in you today. And it lives in us if we abide in Christ every day. Holistically, it's not just your mind, it's not just your soul, it's not just your body, it's everything. God wants all of you. God wants not just a little bit of you, not just a little part of your life. He wants everything. It's always all in or nothing. So if you are asking, is true change possible? Yes. It is how hard it is. It is organic. All you have to do is just come to Christ today. The question is not if it's possible. Are you open to it? The change is inevitable, church. And finally, the change is joyful. It's not going to be painful. It's not going to be hard. Living in God is actually is joyful. Oh, but all my friends will think I'm weird. How long are you going to live connected to the wine that of your friends, your family, your career, your love life? Or are you going to connect it to the true wine that gives you life? As we sing this last song, if you're hearing the gospel for the first time and if you want to know more, we are more than happy to talk with you. I'm available after church. We can talk. Because this is the most important thing in my life. And this is the most important thing you ever heard. And if you're walking in, in, in church in this Christian life for a little bit, as we sing this song, I really want you to get close your eyes and take the song in and really proclaim really proclaim your dependency on Christ just because you have been to church for 10 years doesn't mean you don't need Christ more the truth is the opposite the more you know him 
the more you need him the more you see your sinfulness the more you see god's holiness it's not the opposite the more you get god now you can figure out yourself that you depend on god more father we come to you this evening god god we ask for forgiveness god God, we didn't depend on you in this past week, in the past month. Or God, we thought we could figure it out. God, we didn't come to you every time we needed something. We didn't start our day thinking we need you. We barely thought about you the whole day sometimes. God, but we mechanically comply to different things in our life, but but deep down, we didn't see the need as much we should have. God, would you forgive us this morning? God, would you change your hearts from cynical, from just being frustrated, to really look for change, to really seek out change in our life, to really ask you boldly enough to take away that that anxiety from us completely to bold enough to ask to take away the addiction completely I don't want to like slow down my addiction I, I want a complete healing Father would you ask God this morning I want to completely get rid of the things that I stop that I keep I hate doing God would you help us God, would your life-giving power flow in us as we are connected to you? God, that life that raised Christ from the dead, the life that created this universe, the life that holds us together, would that power flow in our hearts as well? Would you change us internally, God? God, we don't want to change externally for a little season and go back to our own self. God, I want an internal change. God, let your life come into us in all the areas of my life. God, we fully, completely, desperately depend on you. We desperately need you. Here are prayers.